You're listening to a DM podcast. Hello and welcome to Kinky History, the podcast where we discuss all of the dirty little secrets they probably left out of your history books. I'm Esme Louise James, and today on Kinky History, we are discussing the fart letters of James Joyce. Now, you've probably come across James Joyce before, whether it was on a school reading list or maybe down your own bookstore. But in case you aren't familiar, who was James Joyce? James Joyce was a canonical modernist writer. He's best known for his collection of short stories, Dubliners, or his masterpiece, Ulysses. Ulysses is now actually referred to as the modernist Bible. It basically changed the way that we thought about English language and literature and what it's capable of doing. Now, many will herald Ulysses as this incredible work of literature. But for me, I think it demonstrates the origins of his kinks. Later on in the history of James Joyce scholarship, we would come across a bunch of letters that would really expose his very peculiar sexual proclivities. Now, James Joyce, for all that we know about him, was quite a humble man in a lot of ways. He had a rather frail frame. He was going blind very early in his life. He was friends with the likes of Ernest Hemingway, F. Scott Fitzgerald, Gertrude Stein, who were all living their best bohemian life in 1920s Paris. Like, are you kidding me? There could not have been a more fun group of friends to hang out with. James Joyce was also apparently picking fights all over Paris. He went to bars regularly and just for a little bit of fun would start to get into intellectual debates with other people he found around the bar. And being a very, very tiny man was not capable of uh, living up to the fight that he'd set out. So he would have to constantly go to the pub with Ernest Hemingway, who was, you know, a boxer built as fuck. And very famously, there would just be a time in the night where James Joyce would have to shout out, fight him, Hemingway, fight him. And he would just kind of like point to the guy that he was having a fight with. And Hermes Hemingway, just like without any context, would be like, fuck yeah, Joyce, got your back. And just kind of goes for a punch on with (laughs) this random person uh, at the bar. Fun fact as well, this group of friends actually invented the weed brownie. Gertrude Stein and her wife, Alice B. Tolkless, uh, came up with the very first brownie recipe, at least the first one that ever went to print. Um, They ended up printing the recipe in a cookbook, which you can buy and which I do have on my shelf. And that is where we get it today from Ernest Hemingway, James Joyce and Gertrude Stein just being the best bloody bohemians that ever there has been. But now getting back to his fart letters. So how does James Joyce, this party boy come socialite, become one of literature's biggest names and also one of the biggest names in the kink community? (laughs) Well, James Joyce is truly a man of many talents. In 1904, James Joyce, in his hometown of Dublin, would meet his future wife, Nora Barnacle. 
And if there was ever a better name, I beg someone to tell me. So the first time that James Joyce lays eyes on Nora Barnacle, he is basically infatuated with her. They organize a date a few days afterwards and actually Nora doesn't turn up, or at least James Joyce thinks. See, James Joyce was losing his eyesight from quite an early age and there was a potential that he was actually outside waiting for Nora to arrive and he just never saw her coming. But it was all okay, because on June 16th of 1904, Nora and Joyce would go on their first date. And, like the absolute girl boss that every barnacle is, Nora decided to throw her hand right down James Joyce's pants. Now, Let her remind you that this was the early 1900s, so this was a rather bold move for a woman. But Nora Barnacle could not be stopped. That girl knew what she wanted from the very beginning. So Nora chucks her hands down James Joyce's pants, and if he was having a little crush on her, he is now deeply in love with this woman. The two of them would move on to have a very successful and long marriage as well as friendship together. The legacy of which would of course be a series of dirty, saucy letters about excrement, farts and butts. But we're not quite there yet. James Joyce's Ulysses. Again, considered one of the greatest masterpieces of all time was banned for obscenity. So Ulysses is probably one of the hardest books of all time to read. And if you feel like you want to bang your head against a wall, then by all means, pick up Ulysses. It is over 1,000 pages long, and most of it is written in literal gibberish. The entire 1,000 pages all take place in a single day. One single day in Dublin, drawn out like you're trying to draw out an essay to hit the word limit. That day is June 16th of 1904, the day that Joyce would go on his first date with his wife, Nora. And while the book goes through various issues of religion and racism and philosophical existentialism... At the end of the day, it's all about love. And better than that, it's all about sex. The book was banned for obscenity for many reasons. Perhaps most notably in the court case, for the fact that one of the novel's main characters in one of the first chapters uh, decides to wank himself off poetically on the beach to the sight of a beautiful woman. We hear in detail his inner monologues as he (laughs) jerks his one-eyed wonder weasel into the ocean. Earlier than that, we, uh, we open the book, seeing this character, Leopold Bloom, taking a giant turd on the toilet. And for about three pages, we read as he takes his shit slowly in the morning, he smells its smell, and he sits there reading the newspaper. Going further into the book, we have a moment where the same character, Leopold Bloom, decides to go to a brothel in which he gets fisted 
in detail. <laughs> the fact that this was allowed to be published in the 1900s should be proof to us that uh, we've actually become a little bit less progressive in a lot of ways. In this scene where Leopold goes and is fisted in a brothel, he then imagines himself as a dominatrix and in his head, in maybe a lucid moment of absolute sexual euphoria, he merges into a dominatrix, then kind of starts to whip himself in this very self-flagellating moment that we don't really know is real or in his head, but either way, it is beautiful. One of the other most beautiful moments about the book is that these 1,000 pages end in a beautiful scene of a woman having an orgasm. How absolutely radical. The entire conflict that this book basically revolves around is the fact that Leopold and his wife Molly have not fucked in a really long time. And they both are thinking about fucking for the entire book. Molly is going off having affairs and Leopold is wanking on the beach and getting fisted in brothels. And the last thing that this couple think about is, you know, just kind of fucking one another. And so what happens in the final moment of this beautiful, epic, modernist masterpiece is that they fuck. The very final words of Ulysses is Molly screaming out, yes, yes, yes. But the book that ends with orgasm and starts with a giant shit, I believe says a lot about Joyce as a person. Now, we all know that as an artist, you put a lot of yourself into your work and your art. So I really think it should come as no surprise that when in 1957, his letters were sold to Cornell University and later were published by his biographer, the world became aware that this man had a giant, giant fetish for farting and his wife's butt. I don't think this should have come as a surprise to Joycean scholars. The signs were there from the very beginning, which we have tried to wrap up in neat little academic bows. If you decide to write four pages describing how good it feels to shit in the morning after holding that in all night, you've thought about it a little bit too much. The dirty letters, as they are commonly called, or as I like to call them, the fart letters, truly blew us all away. These letters not only expose an intense love for Nora Barnacle, but also a deep reverence for the talents that she could produce with her backside. You had an arse full of farts that night, darling, and I fucked them out of you. Big, fat fellows. Long, windy ones, quick little merry cracks, and a lot of tiny little naughty farties, ending in a long gush from your hole. This series of letters was written in December of 1909, and it was a period of time in which Nora and Joyce were separated from one another traveling. And while they were traveling apart from one another, with the absence of one another's bodies, 
they clearly got quite creative on how to fulfill their sexual needs. And in this kind of OG form of sexting, the two decide to send a series of erotic letters to one another about farts. Fuck me if you can, squatting in the closet, with your clothes up, grunting like a young sow doing her dung, and a big, fat, dirty, snaking thing coming slowly out of your backside. Each of these letters are penned to his lovingly named sweet, naughty little fuckbird, and honestly, they just don't give you pet names like they used to. Get rid of lovely, get rid of babe. Just call me your sweet, naughty little fuckbird. Actually, some of them are also addressed to his sweet, naughty little cunty. And I think that would probably go down very well to an Australian audience. (laughs) So the replies from Nora to these letters have never been found. And so it's merely left to our imagination what she had to say. However, we do believe as serious Joycean scholars, that Nora was the one to initiate this correspondence. In one of the initial letters at the start of December of 1909, Joyce is evidently taken back by something dirty that Nora has said. He expresses, basically, that he doesn't know if he's going to be able to keep up with quite how dirty she was in that letter, but he tries his best. And so we have these beautiful letters from him in response. I wish I could hear your lips spluttering those heavenly, exciting, filthy words. See your mouth making dirty sounds and noises. Feel your body wriggling under me. Hear and smell the dirty, fat, girlish farts go pop, pop, pop from your pretty girlish bum. And fuck, fuck, fuck my naughty little hot fuckbird's cunt forever. God, that was a mouthful. (laughs) No one play this to my grandparents. No, Nan and Grandad, what I do is totally legitimate. It's very academic. So despite the market demand for Nora's letters, they are yet to be brought forward. So yes, I would love to know what lines Nora wrote to really excite Joyce, the man who has written a absolute Bible about wanking, fisting, dominatrixes and shit that would even make him question if he has the sexual potential to live up to the stuff that she had laid down. It's left up to our wildest and literally dirtiest imaginations about what she had to say about poo farting and bums that made him, as he says here, want to pull himself off harder. Good night, my little farting Nora, my dirty little fuckbird. There is one word, darling, that you have underlined to make me pull myself off better. Write me more about that and yourself sweetly. Dirtier and dirtier. I think it's quite understandable that a lot of serious Joycean scholars kind of physically shift in discomfort when these letters are brought up. This discomfort, I believe, really comes down to two reasons. 
The first one being that people feel that these letters make a laughing stock out of an otherwise very serious, prolific writer who was doing such important things and is still so important for our understanding of literature and its history. And I think the other reason is this feeling that even very public figures deserve to have a private life. And I would probably agree that it is sometimes very hard to impart the true cultural significance of Joyce's work if the rest of the class are reading, pull up your dress a moment and hold the letters under your dear little farting bum. But I'd like to take a bit of a different perspective on the entire thing. The letters and the circulation of these letters can add a lot to our perception of Joyce and, in fact, to our perception of any great figure. It's a reminder that they were dirty, sensual creatures as well. You know, I think it's something maybe to celebrate that the author of a book that we consider the modernist Bible is also the person who can find this blissful joy in hearing the dirty fact girlish farts go pop 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 from his wife's bum you know if someone like that can still become one of the greatest writers of all time then what on earth is stopping the rest of us and though the replies from Nora have also never been found I think there's also a lot that we can tell about her from what we have and from their relationship at large We can kind of see this relationship in which a sexual desire between a couple is being mutually explored and the boundaries of it are kind of being set within each of the letters that's coming in. There's a kind of asking and permission that's happening and a conversation. Nora's writing him something sensual. Joyce is saying yes, he is coming to her level, he's given her permission for something more and they're kind of navigating this new sexual desire and certainly a new form of sexual medium, the form of the letter, for this couple to explore. And when it comes to Nora, we don't have a lot of sexually autonomous women figures that we can look to in history. If we can elevate a story like her pulling Joyce's pants down and shoving her hand in on their first date, and even having the absolute confidence to write this letter to her husband, which maybe she knows that it's a fantasy he wants to play with, and she just goes for it. I think that's actually a fantastic historical example of one woman taking control of her sexuality and her sexual relationship. I think it should also be mentioned, as the late writer Brenda Maddox did once, that writing letters, especially to the caliber that we believe that they must have been written, well, especially to inspire Joyce to this kind of sexual, filthy euphoria was not an easy feat for a Galloway girl who attended school for only a few years. Education for women, especially at that time, is not what it was today. Perfecting the art of letter writing, which a lot of women did, was a form of real self-expression and again, a kind of form of independence that they could take in a world that sometimes was very set against them. The fact that Nora has perfected her writing enough to inspire one of the greatest authors of all time to such a state of pure bliss is actually really remarkable. 
But what they were doing in this like period of time apart from one another, where without one another's bodies they went to the form of a pornographic letter, isn't that different than the experience that many of us had over the pandemic, where we went to Zoom sessions and sexting in the place of one another's bodies? And I think if we could actually herald couples like Joyce and Nora and their letters as an example of a sexual couple that went before us and explored their kink in this very ethical and consenting way, we would have a fantastic historical example to look to about how to ethically navigate the boundaries of kinks and fetishes. To me, far from making a laughing stock out of a very serious writer, these letters actually give me a lot of respect for James Joyce. We've seen this experiment with the bounds of sexual fantasy, and we've also seen this dedication to mutual pleasurable experience. He encourages Nora to, quote, tickle her little cockney, and he assures her that he will lie down and pull himself until he comes as a result of their literary experimentation. And bringing it all back to Ulysses, I think finishing a book in which it literally finishes with a female orgasm, all of the signs were there about someone who does care about mutual pleasure within his marital relationship, and it was at the heart of what Joyce and Nora were playing with. Mutual pleasure. Consenting pleasure. And can we just say... How remarkable it is that they were this comfortable with one another and their bodies. You may be well aware that the point of uh, farting in front of your partner is a very unspoken step to take in any relationship. That first fart can go down either way. You don't know if that's going to burst the bubble of the romance or just make it all that much hotter. But it takes a lot of trust and comfort with your partner to kind of be that intimate and that vulnerable. And these lines about Nora shitting and him watching the streaks of poo come out her bum and at one stage getting off to seeing poo smear marks left in her underwear. He finds that so hot. For me, that would be absolutely mortifying. But maybe that's because I was not as comfortable with my body as Nora and Joyce were in their partnership. I think it's admirable that we have a couple that have had this very intimate and vulnerable relationship that I think many of us would be scared of today. And hey, maybe they can stand as this kind of inspiration about what we can look to and aspire to in a relationship. Well, that's all the skid marks I have for you today. And if you just can't wait for the next episode, then I implore you to pop, pop, pop your way over to my TikTok, Instagram, or YouTube for plenty more lessons. I am your host, Esme Louise James, and I will see you next time on Kinky History. Mm. <gasps> oh.